All right, welcome back to the Mike Farrell Sports Show. You're listening to us on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to the show while you're listening. You're also maybe watching us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Mike Farrell's YouTube page and bookmark MikeFarrellSports.com. We got you covered for all things college football related. Mike, it's finally here. Week zero has come and passed. Week one is in the horizon, but week zero produced some interesting results. Uh, we'll start off, so obviously, the, the probably the marquee game, really the only game I think a lot of folks were watching. Nebraska Northwestern traveled across the pond. Northwestern comes out with a 31-28 victory over Nebraska. Mike, um, lots of cover with this one. Where do, you, where do you want to start with this Nebraska Northwestern situation? Uh, I don't think anybody was surprised that Nebraska could lose this game. You and I talked about it last week and what would happen if he did lose. You know, would he be fired on the way home? And it was all sort of tongue in cheek talk about being left on the tarmac because his buyout is reduced midseason. Um, so obviously, financially, they're not going to fire him today. But this is it. I mean, this is a game he can't recover from. This was a must win. These are two teams that were three and nine last year. Uh, the only team projected to finish lower than Nebraska in the West was Northwestern. Um, Nebraska has the better roster. They did all that exciting stuff in the transfer portal, came out like gangbusters. Uh, and, you know, up 11, he decides to, you know, onsite kick. And then Fitzgerald tried to give him this football game. You know, Fitzgerald's a great coach. Uh, for what he's done at Northwestern is amazing winning the, you know, the big 10 West every couple of years, it seems, but he really tried to give this away, <clears throat> you know, third and long, three different times running the football, playing extremely conservative. Yeah. Um, they knew, I guess that Nebraska and the, and the announcers said, so I, I really like Brock Hewitt as an announcer, by the way, I think he's one of the best. And you know, they kind of said, listen, Nebraska doesn't take football games. They watched them last year. Uh, stumble to three and nine. Yes, they were close games, but that doesn't matter. Nebraska doesn't win and take football games, and Northwestern knew it, and they kept giving them opportunity, opportunity to win this and take this game, and Nebraska never did, and Northwestern was extremely confident that they were going to take the game from them. Yeah, what a tale of two halves, right? Are you, the first half, Nebraska looked a lot better. Obviously, the the turnover woes of the Adrian Martinez era were were stymied. No turnovers in that first half. Casey Thompson was playing, you know, pretty well. He had a video game like play at the end of the half where he ran around for about fourteen seconds and, and found a guy wide open. Uh, so it seemed like the the Mark Whipple as offensive coordinator thing had fixed itself. The defense was playing okay, uh, and so it felt like if I'm Nebraska. You felt good about it, but here's here's my bigger takeaway, Mike. I want to get your thoughts on this. It, as soon as Scott Frost, you know, went for that onside kick, everyone kind of threw their hands up. Nebraska, obviously, why would you do that? You have momentum. You pin him deep. You let your team, you know, play defense. You come out. His post game press conference told me all I needed to know. He said, and I quote, "We wanted to win the game right then and there." Newsflash, Scott. You can't win the game in the third quarter, right? There's a whole other quarter you have to play, and I think that signaled everything you need to know about Nebraska and Scott Frost. He doesn't have confidence his team can go out and win games, and so he has to try a little trickeration to, to get the ball back, to try to get that fourth quarter monkey off his back. I think that shows exactly where his head's at, knowing I, I don't, I don't know if my team can win this game, and I wonder what it signals to his team who says, why on earth would coach do that? Why on earth would we do this right then and there? I think that's the red flag of Scott Frost saying, I don't I don't know if we can win games. Let me try to do something tricky and try to force a victory versus actually winning a game. I think that tells you all you need to know about what Scott Frost's mindset is right now. Well, and I think that speaks to Fitzgerald saying, you know, that they have to take this game. Um, and I think Scott Frost felt that. I, I think he felt up 11 wasn't enough, and he had to take this game, and he had to do something that you shouldn't do. Uh, which is really try to win the game in the third quarter, as you mentioned, and press and do something out of character. You know, listen, if they, if they got the onside kick, everybody would say genius, blah, blah, blah. Sure. They still probably would have lost the game somehow because this is the way Nebraska's been. But, you know, it's just not the place or time for it, especially when you're on the hot seat. And maybe he's just like, listen, I, I'm I'm playing with house money here. I know I'm going to be fired regardless. I, gotta, I could take some chances this year because um, I, I have to win. Uh, and last year playing, you know, slightly more conservatively, we didn't win. Let's yeah. roll the dice and go crazy. But um, it, it just speaks to a desperation on Nebraska's part that they're up 11 and they can't feel comfortable that they can hold that lead. Um, and it also, you know, reeks of Northwestern. Honestly, it's, it's almost like they were just laughing. And I don't think they were laughing, laughing, but just say you guys can't win this game. 
So go ahead, try. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt as many times as possible, and I'm not gonna give Brian Holinsky to look like Tom Brady in the first half. I'm not gonna give him an opportunity to get third down conversions. I'm gonna run, field position you, and you can't win. Period. And it was almost a taunting type of game plan at the end there for Northwestern, and and it worked. And I think we all knew it was gonna work. Um, so now he's on the hot seat. Now they got to figure out who their next coach is. You know, I hear these names, and they're great names. Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, you know, uh, uh, Stoops, Kentucky. Who else? I heard uh, Lane Kiffin. I hear all these poaching names, you know, that nobody's going to leave a current situation. That's good to go to Nebraska. It's just not a very good opportunity. You know, Matt Campbell built up Iowa State, which is also not a great opportunity to where it's at now. You know, Luke Fickle did the same with Cincinnati. Uh, Stoops did a great job at Kentucky, you know, basketball school. Why would these guys leave? So they're going to really have to pull from either the group of five area or a coordinator. You know, I keep thinking Bill O'Brien in my head because that's the next transition for a offensive coordinator or a successful coordinator at um, Alabama is to take a pretty good power five job. Um, but I don't know if he's the guy to, to solve this issue. He's in, been in the Big Ten. He had success there saving Penn State. But if Scott Frost can't do it, he's 15 and 30. Who can? I mean, this is a guy who lives and bleeds for this program and was undefeated at UCF. And now he's going to go down as one of the worst coaches in the history of Nebraska. Well, that's where if you're in Nebraska, you have to be just crestfallen right now, right? Because you're bringing back one of your own. You're going to get back to the black shirts. You're going to get back to the to the walk-on program. The Tom, Tom Osborne days were coming back with Scott Frost. It was all going to work out. The magical, you know, mythical Disney story was going to write itself, and then it doesn't. And you're sitting there now going, okay, th- this is one of us. And he can't get he can't get it done. So do we to your point, do we go to the outside? Is the new conversation, hey, we need an outsider, a fresh perspective? Because that's not what you wanted with, with Bill Callahan. That's not what you wanted with Mike Riley. So now do you want that? Do you want that outsider? Do you want that Bill O'Brien touch by the hand of Saban concept? So if I'm Nebraska, I'm all kinds of confused because this was gonna be our guy. He understood us. Well, that's not working. So so what what yeah. do you do now? You mentioned you mentioned his buyout. I think his buyout goes down from 15 mil to seven mil. But I think it's you know October first. I think it's the day somewhere around those lines. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they have every reason. They have eight million dollars worth of reasons to hold on to him for another couple of weeks here. But do you, do you think he's done before season's out? No, no. I mean, it depends on if they want to if they want to pull the trigger on that. Um, it, recruiting is a big factor here because you got the early signing period. So <clears throat> if you got a coach that everybody knows is going to be fired, you know, a week or so or two weeks before. Or, early signing period uh that's my dog um then it's like a trumpet <laughs> he plays an instrument uh he's just picked it up um Put him on the show so it, you know that hurts recruiting because everybody's you know they, people are going to be holding off on committing and signing and they know he's gone so do you do it mid-season put an interim in there get a head start on the search uh all those things um i i think they'll probably do it mid-season so i was looking at the schedule you know, after the Purdue game in mid-October, they've got a, a week off uh, before mm-hmm. Illinois. You know, might be a good time to do that. That way, expectations of the Michigan and, and Wisconsin and Iowa games at the end of the season, you know, there are none. You're playing with an interim coach. Uh, that just might be the time to do it, I would think, after Purdue. And, again, they should beat North Dakota. They should beat Georgia Southern. I don't know what team we're going to see against Oklahoma. Is it going to be the team last year? Uh, you know, they gave them trouble, or is it going to be a defeated, deflated team? Um, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue are not murderers, row. So, I mean, there's an opportunity here for him to go yeah. one and one, two and one, two and two, three and two, four and two, five and two, six and two, maybe. But that would be the worst thing for Nebraska. <laughs> what do you what are you rooting for if you're Nebraska? So they have North Dakota and Georgia Southern back to back at home. If he loses either of those games. Trev Albert should just pri- fire him in the post game press conference, right? So you, you figure they're two and one. I know it's anything with the code in it, by the way, is tricky. Any, anything with the code in it is tricky. It's an eight million dollar difference. I, I still think you let him lose those two games and don't fire him and just tell everybody you're going to fire him mid season. But um, but yeah, what do you root for as a Nebraska coach, uh, a, play, a team fan? I, I don't know. I mean, you don't want this guy around another year. 
you don't want a, another five and seven season, you know, or six and six season or whatever his best season's been. Um, you don't want that. Uh, he's going to get fired no matter what. But let's say he somehow pops off seven and five and they go to a bowl. <clears throat> There's going to be some talk of keeping him because he is a foreign Husker. He is a legend. He is a guy you know, that knows this program. And then you just continue to tread water. Uh, but then there's going to be those that say, well, Frank Beamer was given a chance. Billy Bobby Bowden was given a chance, you know, and, and they finally found their groove. I don't know. I, I, th- I don't think we're going to have to debate this much. I don't think he's going to be successful. I think they, they potentially, I think they win both of those games. Uh, they're at mm-hmm. home. Um, I think they lose to Oklahoma. And then I think they have a dud against Purdue, and then that'll be it. Oh, and conceivably, they could be four and two heading to that Purdue game, right? Because they're going to have North Dakota and Georgia Southern. Let's 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 assume a loss to, to Oklahoma at this point, right? Indiana and then Rutgers. Rutgers is on the road, so you never know, right? Conceivably, they could be four and two heading into Purdue, right? So I think that's interesting. Is is do you fire a four and two coach? Let's say he squeaks it out against Purdue. You know, last second field goal. He's five and two heading to, to Illinois. Yeah. I mean, is that when you yeah. can him? That's the tricky part. So, I mean, you know, they're not going to hire fire before Purdue because you're going to look for an off week to do this. So let's say they are four and two. And and that sets up expectations again. Like, oh, look, we're four and two. You know, our next two games are winnable. We could be six and two. And then they fall flat and lose at Purdue. I think that's perfect storm. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. But if they do beat Purdue, then you can buy more time. I mean, you don't have to fire them. And see if he beats Illinois and see if he beats Minnesota. Um, and then, you know, after the gauntlet of Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, then you fire him then. But um, all signs to me point towards that off week. Uh, I know some people who were, you know, in Ireland. I know some people who were near Trev Alberts when that onside kick occurred. And uh, the look on his face was, you know, I guess that, you know, emotionless was what it was described, but I think disbelief. And I think like, man, we really want to back this guy, but we can't anymore. That's kind of the feeling I get. Unless we all forget, Trev Alberts was a, a heck of a, fo- a football player himself, so he understands the game of football. This isn't like an AD in a suit who's you know only been an administrator. Trev Alberts knows football, man, and so he's he's someone who's uniquely qualified to understand X's and O's on the field. You know how a team works too. So I think this whole situation is going to be interesting. What did you make of his post game press conference, Scott Frost? That is where he basically said. Our offense needs to figure out ways to get more creative. It's the first year that he's not the offense per se. I think part of the whatever the alleged deal was, he had to bring an OC in, brings in Mark Whipple from uh, from Pitt, who got away from Pat Narduzzi finally, right? So Whipple comes in, they they look all right in the first half, right? And then Frost makes that comment. What, what did you make of just him continuing to find also new ways to step in it and also ways to to blame others around him? Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse. <clears throat> you have to. And again, he did admit, you know, it's on him for the onside kick and all that other stuff. But, you know, it is it is interesting, you know, because these are guys that he was forced to bring over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Whipple and Joseph and, and guys like that. Um, he was forced to make changes and, and try to make this offense a little bit more exciting. It was more exciting. It looked great. Uh, what's his name? Is it McMurphy? Brent McMurphy? Yeah. <laughs> made the Twitter mistake that I've often made in my life and saying after they went up seven, nothing, he's like, who's the guy who had him in the top 25, this guy, and you don't yeah. do that. But everybody was excited coming out of the gate at the new look and wrinkles and all that stuff. And some of the highlight plays of Casey Thompson, as you mentioned that Patrick Mahomes type of completion, you know, but it's not their fault. Um, this was a, a, a situation where they had this game, the coach blew it. He made bad decisions. And then they played tights after that. Um, and Fitzgerald didn't outcoach him. Uh, Fitzgerald just continued to plot away and, and, and you know, dink and dunk and let Ryan Holinsky do his thing and, and play very conservative and try to flip the field. Um, and Frost lost this game. So, yeah, it, things need to change. In a perfect world, they would have scored, you know, 50 points and not lost this game. But they don't have the personnel or talent to do that. Um, you know, everybody said this is the best running back room they've had in years. Ask the lay fan to name one running back at Nebraska. You know, I mean, you ask them to name one at Michigan or Penn State or Ohio State, you know, they'll come up with somebody. Uh, no, there's nobody. Um, wide receivers, you know, Omar Manning, 
was not dressed and apparently has an injury that nobody knew about. Um, you know, they've got some new guys that showed flashes, but they're still not, you know, enough difference makers to make this a dangerous football team. So he can blame anybody he wants and he can, you know, I did see the OL coach at Northwestern tweeted out <clears throat> that we only threw up four times in the preseason. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. That's it, see? There you go. And this has become kind of a circus joke now. You know, if they were winning football games, you know, Frost saying 15 to 20 throw-ups would be, you know, yeah, the outrage of the, the, the cancel culture would be there, but no one would care. You know, Nick Saban says that. Oh, that's irresponsible. But that's Saban being Saban because he wins. Uh, now it's Scott Frost. Everything he does and says kind of just turns into a circus and a joke. Probably the worst thing that happened for Scott Frost is the fact that this was really the only game on TV. Right. This is the only game in town. So everyone jonesing for college football, got college football. And this was the game that they got. If this was a, a random yeah. Sunday, Saturday, Saturday in October, this game's buried at 12 noon. No one even knows it happens. You turn on the box score. And you go, oh, look at that Northwestern one. But this was the standalone game. And this was the game everybody's eyes were on. This is the one that you can't lose. And you can't lose the way he lost. And I agree with your, your point on Pat's for jail. It almost felt like he was like, these guys, they're not going to be. Let's just let them beat themselves. Let's just keep playing ball. Let's get, you know, three and out if we have to. Let's run Hulls, you know, 42 million times and, and mm -hmm. they'll find a way to beat themselves. And that's kind of the game plan. And and it's almost like Scott Frost walked right into the trap. Yeah. And um, this was really like a perfect storm. I mean, honestly, you know, a buddy of mine who's, who's not a college football fan, but he watches it just because there's nothing else to watch on Saturday. Um, he texted me. He goes, college football is horrible. I don't know how you watch it. It's so long. You know, and it is compared to the NFL, it's very long. There's so many different breaks and, and stoppages and all this other stuff. And, and there's a lack of overall talent, you know, where you're talking about, you know, the NFL is an elite roster from one to whatever it is, 54, 55. Um, but I also told him, I said, these are two, three and nine football teams from last year. I mean, these two teams suck. They're not good at all. So you're watching really bad football. But for... It, you're right. I mean, never in a million years would the marquee game in any week ever in the history of college football be two, three, and nine football teams nope. okay, playing on national television as the marquee game. Um, it is set up perfectly horrible as the worst case scenario for Scott Frost because not only was if this was Ohio State, everybody would tune in and expect them to be blasted, you know, 50 to, 30, to 20 or something, or maybe 50 to 10. And everybody would be like, oh, well, that's what we expect. You know, there wouldn't be all this hot seat talk. There would be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, is he going to be done by the end of the season? But there wouldn't be any tarmac jokes or anything. This is Northwestern. This is a team that's not good, projected to finish last in their division. Um, and and this is a really – it's a team that does not – I can maybe three teams in the entire Big Ten that have a worse roster than Northwestern uh, – than, uh, than Nebraska. Three. Okay, you could argue Rutgers. You can mm -hmm. argue Northwestern. And you can argue okay. Indiana. Everybody else has more talent. Uh, it's just this is a winnable football game. I mean, so you're right. It's really bad. It, it's not a good situation at all um, in every way, shape, or form. Unless he won, even if he won like thirty, if he won thirty-one twenty-eight, people would be like, okay, you know, tough win. But now they're learning how to win those close yeah. games. But they're not, and it's over. Um, so now we just speculate on the new head coach and. You know, I saw Urban Meyer's name thrown out there. I mean, come on. You know, this is not an overly attractive job. It's just not, you know, guys have been successful, have been run out of there. Well-respected head coaches have failed there. Um, it's just not a good job. They're, they're behind the eight ball when it comes to recruiting, location, geography, and everything. They got a ton of money now with the TV contract, so they could probably go $8 million if they wanted to or even more. But who's going to leave? Is Lane Kiffin going to leave the SEC and Ole Miss to go to Nebraska? No. No. And Campbell and Fickle aren't going to leave either for that job, barring something crazy, because they've been offered better, bigger jobs already and turned them down. So I think we're going to see the Bill O'Brien show in Nebraska, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I guess so firing Frost early gets you what? an opportunity to call Bill O'Brien first. Is that the benefit if you're in Nebraska, you at least get to kick that process off? I mean, because yeah, your point, you no sitting head coach, you can't, right? 
you can't call anybody, right? So no sitting head coach is going to take that phone call. So unless you're on the street, I'm not saying this guy is going to be the guy. I'm, I'm just throwing a name out there for comparables. Right. Unless you're an Ed Orgeron, right? You're on the street. You have nothing to do. Then you can take that phone call. Yes. But if you're tied up with another program, in theory, you're not supposed to be talking to anybody. Now, agents talk to agents. No. I get all that stuff. But does, does that really help them out Like if, if they can them early? Uh, I mean, midseason, yes. Because I think you start to see a little bit more of the landscape of college football and who's rising and who's this and that. And, and it helps with a group of five teams, you know. I mean, it, the hot names. You know, P.J. Fleck became a hot name. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Luke Fickle obviously is. Scott Frost was a hot name because of the group of five. Well, there you go. And, and at the beginning of that season, he would not have been that hot name. And near the end of it, he became the hot name. So I think, you you, you know, midseason – Right now, you fire them now, there's really no advantage. You're not going to get a head start on anybody unless you want to have those discussions with Urban Meyer, which you can have already now anyways, but it's not going to occur. Um, so I think it's one of those situations where you, you want to just get out in front of it, so to speak, so recruits can have something answered, you know, in living rooms. You can say, well... You know, the problem with that is the coaches that are in the living rooms, the assistant coaches, the question is going to be, are you going to stay? Oh, you're back, yeah. You know, are you, Coach Joseph, Coach Whipple, are you going to be here? And the, the answer to that is always, I don't know. I, I think so. Um, but, you know, I just think in this world, remember, remember, like seven, eight years ago, and this isn't long ago, you never saw a coach fired before the end of the season. You just didn't. And, and people are going to say, oh, that's not true. Look back. Go back and look. It, it started like a week early, you know, uh, and then it became weeks early. And now it's midseason. It just has progressed to a, a strategy of getting rid of somebody in the middle of the season or near closer you know, to the middle than the end. And that's because of the changes that have occurred in college football. That's because of. Um, you know, the early signing period and other things um, and the impatience of college football. Um, I, I tweeted, you know, last week that Mike Norvell won't last the season, you know, and they won their game against Duquesne. And if they didn't, he wouldn't last the day. But, you know, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, they got no money. They're still paying Willie Taggart, you know, a, a, a crazy amount of money. They don't want to reset. Uh, they'll make it, you know, through the season. I'm like, I, I think you're misunderstanding the overreaction world we live in to every game. Every game is overreacted to, not underreacted. There's no underreaction. This game against Northwestern, honestly, because Scott Frost is in the news now, this is being overreacted to because we all knew the guy wasn't going to make it through the season, and we knew Nebraska wasn't going to be good, and we knew Northwestern wasn't good. So why do we care? Because you have to fill 24 hours of news. Uh, You have to write 18 articles a day on a website about everything. Um, and that impatience kind of grows with the media. And that's why I think it's midseason, whether it makes sense or not, um, or there's an advantage or not. I just think that they'll do it to say, hey, we're on top of this and then do nothing maybe for two months until they can wait to talk to somebody. All right. So uh, I don't want to turn this into the horn custer horn, uh, you know, whatever network we want to call this thing so let's let's move on to other week zero games mike i see nebraska northwestern not the only game on not the most attractive slate this week any other game any other result kind of uh, catch your eye this week yeah i'll do a little bit of uh you know two seconds on each type of thing um you know i I won't talk about western kentucky and austin p there's nothing really to talk about with certain games what that wasn't me. That was your dog. Oh, oh, you know what it is? You get on ESPN, right? Yeah. Talking, yeah. You got to be careful. Freaking autoplay. And then you're wondering who's talking to you. It's the stupid autoplay videos. Um, you know, Utah State struggled against UConn. That was, uh, you know, disappointing. Uh, I think they're going to get waxed by uh, Alabama. You know, Logan Bonner is good, but he doesn't have the weapons he had last season. The defense looked horrible. UConn's an awful football program, so... For them to to win by 11 doesn't speak well for them to give Alabama any sort of problem. North Carolina's defense looked awful. Florida and A&M, you know, coming with 25 less players than they're supposed to have, almost canceling the game. Uh, This is FCS, and you still give up 24 points. Um, That's awful. So the defense hasn't changed. Drake May looks great. 
he's going to get himself killed if he doesn't start sliding or running out of bounds. But um, the whole Trevor Lawrence comparisons that I was told about in the spring and the fall, I see them now. Not a transitional football player, but a tall guy who can run and is sneaky athletic and has pinpoint accuracy. He looked great, but their defense is a real, real problem, and that's going to cost them a few games. You know, and then Illinois, I was impressed with Illinois because, you know, Wyoming lost a lot. Um, but I expected this to be like a real 13 to 7 type of, you know, these were two teams that last year played right around 100 in tempo, really slow football teams. Um, and Brett Bielema is not known for tempo. So Barry Lunny comes in as the new offensive coordinator. They're up tempo a little bit. The running game is there. The offensive line is there. But Tommy DeVito looked pretty good. Uh, they got a good balance, and their defense is sneaky, sneaky good. Um, and it's going to give a lot of people some trouble. And then the flight, fighting Clark Lays would be the last one I talked about. <laughs> you know, 63 to 10, nobody on earth expected that. Nobody. Hawaii is bad, right? And we knew they would be bad. Uh, but come on, you're traveling all the way to Hawaii. You're Vanderbilt. You're favored by double digits, which should never happen on this planet. Um, and, and you it got, was it was twenty one ten and a half to be fair to the to the fighting Timmy Jags. It was twenty one ten and a half. Thirty five in the third quarter and 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 Wright yeah. running all over the place and, and he's he brings a different element. You know, Seals was a passer, Wright a runner passer, and that's going to you know be a little bit more difficult to game plan against. Um, I just didn't see sixty three ten. I, I didn't. That doesn't mean Vanderbilt deserves that one first place vote in the East, or doesn't mean Clark Lay's comments about winning you know national titles is any less ridiculous because they could go out and lose to Elon this week. Um, but it makes things a little bit more intriguing when you look at Wake Forest without Sam Hartman. That'll be an yeah. intriguing game, North, Northern Illinois. 1-11 uh, obviously is not going to happen this year. I think they're going to upset somebody um, and, and win one of these next three games. And then, you know, we'll see if, if they get waxed. Vanderbilt is important for them to lose to Georgia, I don't know, 40 to 14. You know, not 60 to nothing. And, and to lose to Alabama, you know, instead of 52 to nothing, lose to them maybe, you know, 44 to 10 as well. It sounds stupid, but there's a little bit of hope there after 63 points. Well, hopefully week one is much better, Mike. Week one matchups, obviously, we still got you and I are talking on Monday. Still a whole week to get to. There's some games on Thursday night. Nothing fantastic yet. Yeah, Pitt, West Virginia who yeah. are kicking off uh, this year. Obviously, a, a long-time rivalry um, now getting back together. Um, Pitt's obviously a bit of a transition. Kenny Pickett no longer there. Jordan Addison no longer there. Mark Whipple no longer there. Um, you know, But Keaton Slovis now leading uh, leading Pitt. What do you make of that Pitt-West Virginia game? Yeah, I think it comes down to the transfer quarterbacks. You know, JT Daniels has less weapons than, than uh, Keaton Slovis. Pitt has a really good defense. They're favored by seven and a half. This is a nasty rivalry. It's, it's back. Uh, Pitt's at home. I, I do like this game, you know, because it's fun to see these rivalries come back. <clears throat> Interconference, you know, we won't see as many of these moving forward. But uh, but that's the marquee game for Thursday. Um, you know, I have Pitt winning that game. I, I just don't. I don't believe in JT Daniels until I see the JT Daniels I saw out of high school. Um, you know, the acceleration was bad uh, out of high school. I think that was a bad idea. Uh, the injuries have taken his toll on him, and he just doesn't look like that golden boy quarterback anymore. And then Slovis, you know, a guy who beat out JT Daniels, um, kind of tossed aside for Caleb Williams. He's got a, something to prove, um, and, and Pitt wants to keep that offense rolling. So I like Pitt in that game. What do you think of this one too? Penn State Purdue also Thursday night eight o'clock. What are your thoughts on opening up with a conference game like that? Most teams do the cupcake central in week one, week two, right? Conference game out of out of the shoe for Penn State Purdue. What are your thoughts on that? You know, from a scheduling perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's not ideal. You want to get out there, and especially you know you got a, a, a not a young team. I mean you, you know, but you're replacing guys. Uh, John Dotson's gone. You know, Sean Clifford's there for his twenty fifth year. Uh, as quarterback, but you got Nick Singleton as a new running back. You're, you're, you're replacing some guys on defense that are, you know, important football players to you. I, I think that's going to be another fun game. I mean, it's, and again, this isn't Northwestern Nebraska. I mean, these are two teams that should have winning records, should go to bowls, you know, make a little noise in their respective divisions. Um, Penn State's favored by three and a half on the road. Purdue lost a ton of offensive power. 
Um, Aiden O'Connell is the better quarterback, but I, I think you look to Penn State here and James Franklin, you know, okay, you've had other job offers. This is your 16th contract extension at Penn State. Get it done already and hurry up. And, and so if he comes out here with a dud against Purdue and loses that football game, the Penn State fans are going to go nuts. Um, so that's definitely an intriguing matchup, too. Nothing like what we got coming up on the weekend, but I'll, I'll definitely be tuned into those two. Fun fact, Illinois plays on Saturday night. They have a, a Friday night, rather. They have a chance to become the first 2-0 team this season if they can uh, they can beat Indiana because uh, they, they play first on that one, Mike. But and they Saturday, should. I mean, and they, they, should. Look, they look pretty good. I mean, surprisingly good. Early window Saturday, nothing super exciting. I mean, if I have to pick one on this list, I might go sneaky North Carolina State at East Carolina. I think East Carolina is going to be decent this year. Holt Naylor's has been there since 2007. Uh, Keaton Mitchell is a, is a pretty good running back. Obviously, NC State ranked 13. But it's it's in, it's in Greenville, Mike. That's the only early game, really, that to me, I'm, I'm sort of circling. You have Colorado State and Michigan. Anything in that early window really blowing – you know, no, up your skirt. I, I will tell you what's interesting is, you know, Harbaugh's decision to start one quarterback <laughs> against Colorado State and another one against Hawaii, which is just, you know, it's back to him sleeping over kids' houses and climbing trees and stuff. It just makes no sense to me. Um, you know, they're favored by 30 and a half. Colorado State doesn't have a pulse, so I get it. It's like a, it's like a scrimmage. And Hawaii, we saw, lost to Vanderbilt 63 to 10, so they have no shot at beating Michigan. But for, from a roster perspective, I mean, do you really want to go and, and have your quarterback competition bleed into the regular season? They follow that up with UConn, which is, again, like a scrimmage as well. So I guess the schedule plays out really well for him to do this. <clears throat> but I, I just think you want to have a starter game one. It doesn't matter who it's against. Um, and there could be some internal – so the, Harbaugh – He's the leader of men. He led them to the playoff last year. Um, but then he also flirted with the NFL and was ready to take the Vikings job. So, you know, when he comes back, he needs to be, to me, decisive. He needs to be committed to Michigan and prove to everybody on the recruiting trail and in that building that he's here and he's not going away. And I know I, I wanted to sleep with that other woman and she didn't agree. But I'm married. I'm back. You know, I'm loyal. <clears throat> a lot of proving to do, and so to do this and sort of leave it up in the air. Some people say this is a transfer portal ploy. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. keep him, keep keep JJ McCarthy or or somebody to jumping into the. I don't know if it is. I mean, I think that would happen regardless, just because the portal is available twenty four seven. It's like seven eleven. Um, I just think this is one of those situations where. He hasn't found his quarterback. You know, Cade McNamara didn't go out and prove it and win it. He was sort of a game manager last year. J.J. McCarthy missed the spring, so now it's a short-term evaluation in the fall. But that intrigues me because I want to see what happens. You know, McNamara is going to start that one. <clears throat> How much will we see McCarthy? And then, you know, will he continue with that? Or if, let's say McNamara comes out and goes – you know, Ryan Holinsky, like 21 or 24 by the half with 250 yards, four touchdowns. Does, does J.J. McCarthy start the next game? That uh, mid-afternoon window, a couple of nice ones in this one. Uh, you got Cincinnati at Arkansas. That's 23 at 19. Obviously, Cincinnati coming off of a college football playoff appearance this year, but they lose a ton of talent, Mike, on both sides of the ball. Arkansas, sneaky, sneaky, tough team. Sam, the fighting Sam Pittmans are, are certainly uh, a tough out. Where do, where do you at uh, Cincinnati, Arkansas? Uh, I like Arkansas. They're at home. Um, you know, six-point favorite. I like that number as long as it doesn't go to seven. Um, you know, they've got a lot to prove. They've got a chip on their shoulder because people say, okay, you, you weren't that great in 2020. You played a tough schedule. You played some close games, but you're, you're coming off nine wins now, and you're projected by some to finish second in the West and, and give trouble to a lot of these West teams. So you better play Cincinnati, which lost some marquee players, you know, obviously quarterback, cornerback, on and on. Um, <clears throat> you better win at home. And there's pressure doing that. They've got a strong running game, strong offensive line. KJ Jefferson is efficient. Um, mm. The defense is underrated, uh, and I think I think they should win this football game. And and it would be a big surprise if they didn't. Um, Cincinnati's sort of in 
rebuild mode. I think the respect for Luke Fickle and the roster that he has left uh, is spoken nationally with him being 23, but I don't think they're a top 25 team. Another sneaky game, at least I'm keeping an eye on. Houston at UTSA. The Roadrunners, Meep Meep, had a decent uh, year last year. Houston only a, a four-point uh, favorite on the road on that one. So something to keep an eye on, Mike. And then the Dan Lanning Bowl, 3.30 yeah. in the afternoon. You have Oregon and Georgia, the Chick-fil-A classic kickoff in uh, in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Probably the marquee game of the day uh, on uh, on the Saturday slate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a heck of a game. And, you know. Uh, some might argue that, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Marquee, and, 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 and I'm really interested in Utah, Florida. But when it comes to the early, you know, games, this is it. And, and this is Georgia favored by 17, which is a huge number. You know, they lost a lot on defense. And I think the area they're going to, you know, miss the most is their speed at linebacker. Uh, you know, Channing Tindall, Nicobe Dean, the closing speed those guys had was just actually astonishing for a lot of football teams who didn't see it live. And when they did, they're like, whoa, um, they, they've got Jalen Carter in the middle. You got Nolan Smith on the edge. They've got edge guys, um, but they did lose, you know, two very, very good defensive tackles up front. Um, I, I just think 17 is a lot. Uh, Oregon's got a good roster and Dan Lanning knows that offense. Uh, he's the guy who crafted this defense. So he's going to know their defensive tendencies, but also the offensive tendencies. So just with that advantage, I think uh, Oregon's going to cover this game, but I, I don't see them winning. I think George is going to win by, you know, at least 10 points. Utah at Florida, 7 p.m. in that late window, Mike. You, uh, the Utes favored by three. Obviously, they are the seventh-ranked team in the nation. You've said on previous episodes you think they have an opportunity to, to make a, a, some noise this year, potentially sneak into that playoff. Florida uh, begins the, the Billy Napier era there. Anthony Richardson, obviously, a quarterback. Uh, in the swamp, though, Utah, a, a pretty long trip. Um, what do you lean on this one as you think through uh, you know the early prediction? The, the arrogance of some of the Florida fans is astonishing to me. And, and I say some, you know, obviously the big mouths on a lot. social media are big mouths. Um, I think a lot of Florida fans are scared of this football game. I mean, this is number 17 in the country. But what Florida fans looked at is last year's Rose Bowl and Jackson Smith and Jigba just absolutely dominating them in every fashion. What they don't understand is that Utah was missing three of their key elite defensive backs, three of them. And they are really, really good on defense. Um, and they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Um, you know, they've got a solid offense, a good running game. It's a power offense. They could run with the QB. I like Utah a lot. Um, now, this is a challenge across the country, different time zones, at the swamp, nighttime. It's a different atmosphere. Uh, I don't think Whittingham and his, his crew are going to be intimidated whatsoever. I think Utah wins this game in a close one. That three number is when when I see three and seven, I see Vegas like going, I don't know. Let's just yeah. put it at that horrible, horrible number and win some money. Um, it could be a field goal game, could be a two-point or a four-point game, but I, th I think Utah is going to win this one on the road. Vegas has a much different number. Uh, the Marcus Freeman era kicks off from Notre Dame. He goes uh, back to where he played college ball, Ohio State, the Horseshoe. OSU getting 17 in the hook, Mike. Obviously, Notre Dame breaking in new quarterback, new coach, sort of the new era rushes in. 17 and a half, though, is a, is a bunch to give up for the number five ranked team in the nation at this point. Yeah, and I still I would take the 17 and a half. I mean, I just think this Ohio State offense is, is going to be unstoppable in any game short of, you know, the playoffs and the final and the playoff uh, national championship. You know, I, I have them – you know, facing Alabama in the national championship game, and that'll obviously be a different story. Uh, and who they play in the semifinal, I'm really not sure, um, you know. But this game, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's rushing attack wasn't very good last year. Uh, they lost their best running back. Offensive line is good. Quarterback plays some questions with Buckner being named the starter. He's new. Um, you know, he's going to have to sort of, step up his game really, really quick. Ohio State's defensive issues last year, which were what a lot of teams used to, to cover, um, they're going to be better. They've got some young guys on that football team that are going to be in this too deep now that are going to change things. And the back end uh, is fixed. The defensive backs are elite. So 
I think Ohio State's going to kill them. Offensively, there's no point even talking about the weapons. It's just endless, endless weapons, um, and I think they're going to score a ton of points. The over is 58-and-a-half, um, and I see it going over that, and I, I think they're going to drill them. I think they're going to absolutely drill Notre Dame and win by 20 to 28. And then the weekend wraps up Sunday night, Florida State, LSU, because why not? And then Monday you have Clemson heading to Georgia Tech. Mike, I know you and Thor did a really nice show for those who didn't catch it on Saturday. Why don't you tell people more about uh, what you and Thor Nystrom were doing? I thought it was a really informative show. You gave some nuggets here uh, on this one, but I'm sure you'll get more detailed, more prepped as you uh, as you prepare for yeah. this weekend. Yeah, we're definitely going to, I mean, dive in. And Thor dives in, like, honestly, sometimes so deep um, that I don't even know what he's talking about because – you know, he knows every player on every roster out there. Um, and the first week was fun because we talk about games, you know, you talk about UTEP and North Texas and teams like that. We don't even, I don't really know a whole lot about. I, I did my research and I looked, but, um, you know, it, it's on YouTube. I, I, I signed a deal with Fantasy Pros, which is the owner of Betting Pros. So you can follow them at Fantasy Pros at Betting Pros. It's just fun because I've always loved gambling. I've always loved the lines. I've always loved picking against the lines. Um, we did okay. You know, my UConn theory was thrown out the window. I, I, I had a theory of betting against UConn every game, no matter what the spread is, because last year it was just amazingly successful. Uh, but they covered. And he, he he foolishly decided that he should back New Mexico State, um, which, you know, there might as well be UConn, just UConn West. And I kind of told him about that but when we we hit the nebraska northwestern game we both had northwestern to cover um you know we we hit the we didn't hit the illinois game because we had the under on that one um you know we we split on nevada new mexico state i took nevada he i took north texas he took utep vanderbilt we were way off on we just didn't think that that was going to happen um but it's interesting because you do all this research, you look into all this stuff, and I'm, I went into everything you could possibly imagine when it comes to Illinois and the under and how Nebraska and Northwestern play uh, on grass and all these factors, <clears throat> and you just throw them away because I expected totally to have that under come in in Ireland, and it didn't, and I never expected Illinois to score 38 points ever. Um, so what we do is we'll tell you what bets we would take ourselves as degenerates, <clears throat> but we said, you know, take Northwestern, but don't take the under. Uh, now people probably heard that and took the under and lost some money, but we're really going to dive into these games every Saturday and, and sort of dig into where you should be putting your money. Yeah, it's a really cool show. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I think Mike retweeted it on his timeline and find him at M Farrell Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. Mike, one of the new wrinkles I think that um, I know you want to dive into a little bit each week is looking at game to game, week to week. How does performance impact NIL and, and what does that do for players? If your team wins, your team loses, maybe you have a, a, a rough game. I know you were looking at the Nebraska game and thinking about, you know, what, what does a game like that do? for NIL value? How does that help or hurt guys on either side? I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on, on sort of what you're thinking through as, as we learn more about NIL week to week. Yeah, so I, I look at it that from a corporation standpoint. These corporations are putting a lot of money into these kids. And, and you know, and again, sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's not. Casey Thompson was quoted in saying, there's better NIL opportunities in Lincoln, Nebraska than there are in Austin, Texas. And that's tongue in cheek. That's not true. But if you're a star on a really good Nebraska team, I can't think of a better fan base that's going to support you. So I started thinking about it and I'm like, fan base support you. OK, so not just companies, you know, the ones that are out there. We saw the Quinn Ewers, Austin Gamblers commercial. And we see, you know, beef jerky commercials and Bijan Robinson with what? He's got his own mustard or something. I don't even know what it is. Bijan's uh, Dijon. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great and all that. And, 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 and they should be making money in that way, you know. But what, it, what struck me here, uh, and this is why I've been sort of digging into an app. It's called the Booster Athletes app. This is a crowdfunding type of situation for college athletes. And if I'm a college athlete, I'm downloading this app, I'm creating a profile, and I'm putting up my own content. It's me lifting weights, it's me running, it's me you know, in practice, whatever video I can get and give to people, or it's me making, making food, you know? Uh, even if I'm Bijan Robinson and I'm making a sandwich with my my Bijan Dijon or whatever, or I'm Casey Thompson 
and I'm giving you a reaction to the loss of the game and all that stuff, you're a content creator and who's going to support you more than anybody. It's going to be your fans. So when I, when I saw the loss um, and I'll talk about this, you know, probably every week when I saw the loss, Casey Thompson had a really good game. The fans were extremely upset, not with him. They were upset with the coaches. They were upset with the onside kick. They will always support the players. Always. Now, if a guy gets a really crucial holding call on a, on a, you know, potential game-winning drive, yeah, they're going to attack him. Or if a field goal kicker swipes one left, he's going to get these stupid death threats and all that stuff. Uh, but mostly fans are going to support fans. So this is the first crowdfunding app that I've seen. Maybe there's others out there. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but the Booster Athletes app, what it is, is it allows you to go on and have the fans support you. Hey, you know, crowdfund Casey Thompson. This guy played his heart out. I mean, that 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 one 14-second play you're talking about where you look like Mahomes, worth the price of admission. These guys are working hard. So maybe the the mustard companies aren't coming to Casey Thompson, or or maybe their their tremendous linebackers at Nebraska aren't getting NIL deals from major corporations because they're not face forward athletes. Uh, but the fans, especially those Nebraska fans will absolutely support NIL. And in this, I think, is the future of it, honestly. I think these deals will come and go for the bigger name guys. But if you're, uh, you know, one of the offensive linemen or if you're, uh, you know, a, a linebacker, Heinrich or somebody like that, who's an, a great player but not getting a ton of NIL interest, uh, you, you create your own forum and monetize it. Uh, so that's why I think, you know, this app, app is interesting to me. Uh, you know, I've talked to them about it. Um, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, and that's why I'm sort of talking about it. Um, so it came to me in the last few weeks that there's a crowdfunding app out there, Booster Athletes, that kids can get paid by the fans. It's not their fault they lost this freaking game. So still you can support them. Uh, but the companies may back off a little bit. And I'm not saying week to week. But if Casey Thompson's the quarterback putting up big numbers in Nebraska and they're a four and seven football team, you know, uh, heading into the the last games of the season, they're not going to get any deals. You know, the fans will have to support him. Yeah, it's also a unique way to connect with your fans, right? I think a lot of college football fans want some of that "quote unquote" insider access. It's a it's a system that's been in place for years, right? You want to know something before everybody else. If I can get Casey Thompson and pay, you know, what three bucks a month or whatever the whatever the lift might be for him to tell me post game what's going on, how he feels, maybe a play call he ran. I think there's some there's some value there. Here's for the other part of that, that I thought of, and it hasn't been utilized yet, and I think it will. There are certain fan bases that are very rabid about recruiting. There are certain fan bases that are very rabid about the transfer portal. Okay, so mm -hmm. let's say Casey Thompson was deciding that he was going to leave uh, Texas, and let's say he's sort of down to Oklahoma and Nebraska, and he had some other schools in there. You, as a fan base, can show your support to him through booster athletes, mm -hmm. through an app. And say, hey, man, we love you. We want you to come here, and this is how much we support our players. And sort of NIL him even before he even arrives in Lincoln. Now, it may be wasted money. He may go to Oklahoma instead, um, you know, and you're not going to get a refund on it. But it's a different way of showing support, not only to your players, but to players that you'd like. Ochin Mathis is a great example. The guy looked at Texas. He looked at about five other schools. You know, if Nebraska fans were the ones that were, you know, blowing up his Booster Athletes app and, and, and saying, you know, we love you. We love you. We love you. Here's this subscription for this and all that. It, it kind of puts things a little bit in your control and people are going to say, Oh my God, that's crazy. That shouldn't be the way it is. That's boosters paying kids to come to the school. There's really no, <laughs> to me, it's, it's one of those gray areas where mm -hmm. you yeah. can't tell me as a human being, okay, let's say, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> let's say I'm, I'm, just a fan of college football and let's say I want to support, you know, Bryce Young at Alabama. I could do whatever I want. I want to see Bryce Young. I want to see, and what it's going to eventually lead to, I believe, because Ocean Mathis was a good example of a guy who was very, very quiet throughout the process. You know, he's going to have an opportunity to sort of give you an inside look 
at his visit to Texas, at his visit to Nebraska, or his reaction, personal reaction to those visits on his Booster Athletes app. And that's yeah. premium content. So it's just in its infancy. And I looked at it and I'm like, there's a lot that can be done here uh, that could be changed and, and, and stuff. But it's a really, really good idea. And it's honestly one that I didn't think of. And I've thought of every NIL deal I thought across the country um, as to how these guys can monetize. Originally, I was going to go into the PR and, and brand building business, you know, help these guys get verified on Instagram and Twitter and help them build their social media brand. And, and all of that is great. But guess what you can't get from those apps is direct contributions. So this was very intriguing to me. And I think it's going to be sort of something that blows up. Yeah, we'll see. I think there's a lot of a lot of new avenues that'll come out with that space, Mike. But here we are, at least week zero behind us. Uh, a nice little, nice little, you know, appetizer, I guess, before we rip the bandaid off this weekend. The main course, and again, a couple big matchups. I know you'll have all the stuff covered on MikeRealSports.com. You'll have a bunch of articles, I'm sure, all week as you kind of do your research again. Saturday, check out Mike and Thor. Uh, wherever you get uh, your YouTube content, you can kind of see where their heads are at, give you some predictions, give you some picks against the spread, over-unders, things like that. So a ton of stuff going on and Mike Farrell landing and MikeFarrellSports.com. That's where you can find all that stuff. If you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, thanks for doing that. Hit subscribe. This thing will get to your feed every time Mike and I decide to dust off the old microphones. If you're watching on YouTube, again, hit subscribe. Every time Mike uploads a video, you'll get an automatic notifier. You can you can get to it right away and hear all this wonderful content. A lot of stuff going on at MikeFarrellSports.com. Yeah, and that's it, right? We're wrapping up. Unless you got anything else, I mean, since Monday, you know, I'm not really pissed about anything. Yeah, you seem you seem happy. You seem a little under the weather, though. You feeling okay? Yeah, it's not happy. It's uh, well, you know, I golf Friday, yeah. I golf yesterday. I'm old. I suck at mm -hmm. golf. I'm a little tired. Um, okay. Friday we got rained out. There were tornadoes touching down here in Connecticut, which is very rare. Uh, so we were almost swept off the golf course and I don't think I sleep well. I'm, I, I don't think I sleep well during college football season. Um, my brain just keeps going about ideas and things to write. And then I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I can't write it all. And it's just, it's a whole thing. Bad. Well, whatever he does, right. Again, MikeFarrellSports.com. That's where you can find it. We'll be back. Maybe we'll be back sometime later this week. Again, if you're subscribing to all that stuff, you don't have to worry about the schedule. It'll all just happen. So. You just know about it, right? So don't yeah, subscribe to everything. Notification that we've done it. I hope we're going to do another one this week because we have an announcement. I think come on Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have a press release on it about the site itself. So uh, hopefully that comes and then I can talk about it. Fantastic. Everybody have a fantastic week. College football is here. Again, make sure you're subscribed to everything Mike does, and we will talk to you sometime soon, maybe even this week. Who knows? Everybody take care. See Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.